0: Welcome back to Silent Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Cross, in Exposure 205, College Football Week 3 Recap. Generally, for most teams, this seems to be the last of the non-conference slate of games. We had some close games. We had some blowouts. We had a successful Hail Mary. We had an unsuccessful Hail Mary. So let's go ahead and dive on into these games. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the big teams, but Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, all these teams dominated. But I do have to say, Michigan's non-conference schedule, these first three games were awful. They played, what, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, which very well could be three of the 10 worst teams in college football. So because of that, it is hard to get a true reading on how good this Michigan team is. Now I will say... I've always been in favor of J.J. McCarthy, starting at quarterback, former five-star kid, athletic, can move, has a great arm, and you can see that his ceiling is so much higher than Cade McNamara. So I was very much in favor of Jim Harbaugh choosing to go with J.J., and he can kind of take the top off at defense. But how good are they really, right? Is this going to be an 11-0 and Michigan team rolling into Columbus, trying to take down what could be an 11-0 and Ohio State team? Or is this going to be a 10-1 and or 9-2 and two Michigan team rolling into Columbus. I don't think they're going to be 9-2. and two. I could see maybe one slip up. But again, I just can't get a good reading on how good Michigan is because of how terrible their first three opponents have been. However, Michigan, again, with J.J. and the five-star quarterback, that is such a big tool for Jim Harbaugh and his team to finally use. They won the Big Ten, they beat Ohio State, and they made the college football playoff last year with Cade McNamara, which great job Cade, right? Did it, you know, made some good throws, did a good job throughout the year to get them in that position. But JJ's ceiling is so much higher. This is still a dangerous Michigan team. Now it's just a matter of how good are they really? Because look, their defense isn't going to be as good. And that's probably the biggest thing that I'm having trouble getting a reading on because you lose your DNs, Ajabo and Hutchinson. So you lose some guys. Your defense isn't going to be nearly as good, but then you're shutting out some of the worst teams in college football. And it goes, well, okay. I mean, you should be shutting out these teams, but also, uh, like Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn. I mean, would they score on anybody? I don't know. And I don't mean that in an absolute literal sense. But I think Washington State played Colorado State yesterday. Washington State won 38-7. Now, Washington State did beat Wisconsin, so there could be something small there. But it just goes to show like <laughs> the level of competition that Michigan has played in their first three games. That's enough about Michigan. Let's move on to their rival, Ohio State, who played Toledo and dropped 77. They had their full receiving core back in healthy for the first time this season. Jackson Smith and Jigba was back. Julian Fleming was back. And the offense was absolutely humming. 77 points over 700 yards. Now, they did have some guys who were banged up. Starting running back Travion Henderson, I think, went out with a rolled ankle. Didn't look like anything too serious. He was still in pads for, for the rest of the game, but he didn't play. And then after the game, he was seen walking around in a walking boot. Seems like more of a precaution than anything. Now, Ohio State and Ryan Day like to keep their um, injuries close, you know, play them close to the vest, and that's fine. But it doesn't look like anything too crazy with Travion. Had some guys banged up defensively for the Buckeyes. But overall... Solid performance. Look, I know it was Toledo, but Finn, Toledo's quarterback, that guy can move. And if you didn't watch them play, if you didn't see that game at all, go back and watch some highlights because he was making plays for Toledo. That guy could be starting at a big time college football program next year, I think, if he chooses to do so. And He could just put his foot in the ground and make you miss. True dual threat quarterback with a cannon of an arm, made plays, extended plays, made some of Ohio State's defenders look like absolute fools. And I would say he was the best pure athlete on the field yesterday, including both teams. And I'm not just going to sit here and give Toledo props for losing by 50 plus whatever, because they had a quarterback that made some plays. But that's kind of the point of this podcast, too, is to be like, look, You may not know about this guy. You may not have seen any of that game, Ohio State-Toledo, even though it was a night game for the Buckeyes in Toledo. But you think, oh, okay. You see the final score. You see what they're playing. You're like, I'm not going to bother my time watching this. But look, Toledo's got a guy at quarterback. They could be the best team in the MAC. It's interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for their QB Finn and for that team in general. Let's spend some time talking about Appalachian State and what a big day and a big win. For that city and that program, obviously, College Game Day was there. So great energy, great atmosphere. They were playing Troy, but they won on a hail mary in the last, you know, a couple seconds of the game. Just what an incredible day for an App State fan. Speaking of hail marys, or we could say a failed hail mary in the Cal Notre Dame game. What an odd game, right? So Notre Dame has to replace their starting quarterback who's hurt. And they just couldn't really find their identity on offense. It seemed like defense was solid. But Cal is just one of those programs where it's like they can kind of move the ball a little bit. They're not going to explode on you. They're not an awful team, but they're definitely not good. So it was just a bad game to watch. Honestly, it was pretty boring. But Notre Dame's trying to put the game away. They got you know penalties, whatever. Cal puts together a small drive, kind of saved by some penalties. Have the opportunity to go for the... I think it was the win, the winner of the tie. I think it was the win with the Hail Mary. Nearly came down with it after it was bobbled and moved around a little bit. But ultimately, Notre Dame finally got their first win of the year. Moving on to the surprise of the day, Penn State at Auburn. And Penn State smacked Auburn in the mouth, 41-12. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't really see this one coming. Now, Penn State, to open the year, was not ranked in the AP Top 25. I thought they were left out. I thought that they should have been ranked. I would have ranked them if I had a vote. Because I know Sean Clifford is kind of one-dimensional, can't really do a whole lot. It feels like he's been there forever. But again, this is a team defensively. They have some guys. They have some five-stars on offense. um, Those guys being Singletary, a running back. They have a five-star QB. That's the backup. But Penn State's always a solid program. And I thought that you have the experience with Sean Clifford, even though he can't always give you an explosiveness on offense, but at least you have some game experience from him. Auburn obviously isn't at the high of highs. Um, still feels like they're at a low point in trying to build that program up. But if 41-12 to 12 win, and I think they were saying that was the first time a Big Ten program has gone into Auburn and played at Auburn, and Penn State just grinded out that game. Auburn benched their quarterback, Finley. Um, couldn't really move the ball at all, and Penn State just had complete control of that game. BYU-Oregon at Oregon. Oregon, a fairly dominant win over BYU, 41-20. Listen, this Oregon team is hard to get a read on. Hard to get a read on BYU as well. I think they're ranked 12th going into this game. Not sure where that came from. People always like BYU, and they always fall apart, and they always show us that, it can't live up to the hype or that the hype was never re- really there in the first place. Oregon is definitely a tough program to figure out. We know that they got waxed by Georgia early on, but Georgia looks really good. Georgia almost looks like invincible Bama that I thought invincible Bama would look like, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Oregon got the win here, get themselves back on track. Could there be something here? brewing in the pac 12. Obviously we know USC is looking fairly decent, especially on offense. Washington, which we'll kind of loop in here together, dominant win at home over Michigan State, which I thought Michigan State was a little overrated being ranked 11th in the country. But you got to give the Huskies credit going out and getting Michael Penix. He can sling it. They look like they could have something brewing in Seattle. Oregon could have something going on here. I wouldn't rule out Oregon and Washington completely. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think Washington had any business in terms of a Pac-12 championship discussion to start the year. I'm not saying they have a good shot to win it, but having a gunslinger back there, Michael Penix, if they can keep that guy healthy, they could definitely compete to make an appearance here in the Pac-12 championship. Obviously, you know we're fighting with Utah here, but I would probably say at this point, we're looking at USC, Utah, Washington, and Oregon as teams who are going to fight for this Pac-12. Texas A&M, 17, Miami, 9. The Aggies are back in the win column here. You know they had some guys that were suspended. They had that video that came out on Twitter of, like their one of their five star corners or something that was driving recklessly inside a parking garage. Then they had some other guys break some team rules. That program's just kind of in a mess right now. They don't look good. Miami didn't look good. Neither team looked good. But A God, I mean, I was never high on them, but I know a lot of people were. I'm glad that I stayed low on them because it did not feel right, and it, they sure don't look like. A team that can beat Bama right now. Now, Bama's not invincible. And AM beat Bama last year, so they could they catch him on a day where Alabama's offensive line, which is already showing weakness, is having a bad day. Sure, of course. Like AM, there's still talent there. But it feels like Jimbo is just kind of losing control of this program, or he just he's letting too many people or too many outside factors take control of the program for him. Whether it be NIL or just the hype that they were getting whatever it is his outdated offense it doesn't feel right right now for the Aggies and the last game I want to talk about today let's talk about Clemson Louisiana Tech Clemson is pretty much playing exactly how I thought they would Mm -hmm. offense isn't moving the ball that well but of course you look at a game like this and go are you going to be upset you scored 48 points no of course not now how good is Louisiana Tech of course you can talk about that But Clemson, it does not not feel right. Now, defensively, they're solid. They're stout. But this does not feel like Clemson from 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Like, this is not that Clemson team. And Dabo doesn't even really feel like that as a coach. Now, there are some people, I don't think there's many, but there's some people that could argue this could make Clemson dangerous and exactly who's going to beat them out of the ACC is pick going to do it? I don't know. Miami? God, definitely not the Miami that we saw last night versus AM. But I don't think this Clemson team is going to go undefeated in the ACC. Now that does that mean a Florida State trips them up? NC State, people were high on NC State. NC State hasn't looked that great either. And okay. Who did I'm forgetting who they played now. Uh, I got to go back and look. Texas Tech. So they beat Tech, you know, 27-14. That's fine. They should have uh, lost one. They should have lost the first game of the year against East Carolina, I think. The ACC in general, if I could describe that conference in one word right now, it's just more of a noise. It's kind of like a grunt. It's just eh. I mean, I have I have no clue. NC State, Florida State, Pitt, Miami, Clemson, I have no idea what's going to happen and could this be a year? Could this be a year where the ACC is left out? Maybe because the Pac-12 is looking like it could be more competitive than we thought. You you know, we got some guys that are ranked. USC is looking solid on offense. They're clicking early on. And some people thought it would take them a season. Now, again, it's early and things can happen. Slip-ups can happen. But then you look in the Big 12. Big 12 feels kind of wide open right now. Oklahoma is hanging in there. And then obviously the Big 10 is looking good and the SEC is looking good. One of these years, and I'm not ready to put it in stone yet right now. But one of these years, we're going to get two teams from the SEC and two teams from the Big Ten, I'm sure of it. The Big Ten, second-best conference in football, they're too good consistently year after year to not have at least one season where they get two teams in. That will conclude this week's episode of Silent Exposure. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on our social medias at Silent Expose on Twitter and at Silent Exposure on Instagram and TikTok. See you guys next week, recapping week four next Sunday. And as always, go Bucks.